Welcome to the Intuitive Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Brooks. This is a podcast that invites you to remember who you are, return to yourself, and rise into your highest and best soul self. Every week, I will be sharing inspiring conversations about topics that hold keys to your awakening. My mission as an international evidential psychic medium, Reiki practitioner, and intuitive mentor is to help you rise into who you were born to be. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you are all happy and healthy wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this. Today, I felt inspired to come on and talk a little bit about something that's happening right about now when this episode will air, and that is the Lunar New Year. Now, this admittedly is not something that I know a lot about, but it is something that I want to know more about. And so I did a little research this morning. I'm going to be, um, you know, referring to some sources today where I'm getting the information from. And let's just talk about this and let's see what comes up. And if there's any, you know, um, uh, kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Like if we can see this energy anyways in what's happening or, you know, in the 2024 forecast that I do or, you know, any kind of um, information that's been coming through for us as the collective, if this connects a little bit with the year of the wood dragon, which is what is happening now we are about to enter depending on when you're listening the year of the wood dragon so let's see what this is about so the traditional chinese calendar is a loony solar calendar and it's based on astronomical observations of the sun's position in the sky and the moon's phases so this ancient calendar dates back to the 14th century BC, whereas our traditional Gregorian calendar that we still use in present day was introduced in 1582. So this predates that. Um, the Chinese lunisolar calendar shares some similarities with the Hebrew calendar, which is also lunisolar, and it has influence, influenced other East Asian calendars, such as those in Korea and Vietnam. So first of all, that's kind of like why their new year is happening now versus, you know, January 1st, like we experience here in the Western world. So the Lunar New Year begins on the date in East, Eastern Asia of the second new moon after the winter solstice. So the winter solstice always occurs in late December within a few days of um, each other, right? Or within a few days that we expect it to happen. And this means that the first date of the Lunar New Year can occur anytime between January 21st and February 20th. Um, and just to note, the Lunar New Year this year is February 10th. That's a Sunday, but that is also, um, you know, based on Eastern Asia time zone versus time zone in other parts of the world. So, you know, if you are living in New York City, you know, you might be really ringing in the Lunar New Year a day after a day before. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about where, you know, who celebrates and why, and also a little bit about the celebrations. I loved reading about celebrations that occur and just kind of seeing, um, you know, the tradition. And there's a connection here with, you know, traditional winter solstice type of celebrations and with 
the Lunar New Year. It has to do with light, right? So light is a big piece of both celebrations. Um, we're in this dark time of year and we're celebrating the light. And the Lunar New Year also has been referred to as the Spring Festival. And this is coincides with, you know, this, this time period in early February in bulk, um, you know, when we are in the second phase, winter is slowly kind of going away and we are entering springtime, you know, or at least we're getting hints of springtime. I know that spring doesn't traditionally start for us until March. So it is observed um, by millions of people worldwide and it's celebrated, um, the most celebrated and the longest of all Asian festivals. It's a really big deal. And so that is why I wanted to learn about it too. So many other countries in East Asia, including Vietnam, Korea, Japan, and the Philippines hold their own New Year celebrations at this time as well. So that was in regards to, you know, it's not, some people might ch say Chinese New Year, but it's certainly not just a celebration that is held in China. So as with many, as I just spoke about this comparison with our winter solstice celebrations, um, as with many winter solstice celebrations, the symbolic darkness is, of night is banished with the light or by the light. So things like uh, fireworks and lanterns and candles are big, big traditions, big things. They're, they're a big deal. There's a lot of light that happens um, during the new learn, Lunar New Year, rather. And it's just basically celebrating the return of the light. And, um, you know, paper lanterns are hung by the hundreds in public areas as they are um, seen as bringing new luck into this new year. So some of the traditions that happen routinely are things like dragon dancers, performances and festivals, parades with music and acrobatics and dancing and all that kind of fun stuff. And this is one of the longest uh, celebrations, as I mentioned earlier, uh, earlier, uh, a few minutes ago, the festivities continue for two full weeks and, and, to, and end rather with a special lantern festival, which signals the end of the new year celebration. So I love it. Like this is a two week long celebration of the return of the light. I wish we had more of that in our uh, traditional, uh, our traditional holidays and, and such. But, you know, there is no reason why we could not celebrate the return of the light and the luck, good luck of the new year as uh, they do in East Asian countries. I think this is actually something that I'm going to spend some time with and sit with and see how I want to incorporate this in my own life. Um, I've talked a lot on this podcast in recent uh, times about the, um, the cozy art of, um, or the, the art of cozy living rather, which is huga. It's a Danish word, a Danish concept. And you know how that really helps people, especially in Northern countries who, um, spend a significant portion of the winter in in darkness, right? Without a lot of sunlight at all. And that by bringing the light into our homes, whether inside or outside, it really kind of brings this cozy feeling and it makes it, it makes it not only tolerable, but something that we can learn to look forward to. And so, you know, this beautiful message of the light returning is something that I definitely incorporate a lot in my life during 
the uh, winter months. And I love this connection with the Lunar New Year. So next I read up about some traditional foods that are served during this time. One in particular I love, there was a recipe given in this article that I'm reading and I'm going to link the article so that if you want to try out the recipe, you may. They're called longevity noodles, which I really, really love. And they're just long noodles, um, you know, and they symbolize a long life. And another popular recipe for the Lunar New Year is Chinese dumplings, which signify um, good luck and wealth. And so they are often eaten at the stroke of midnight um, on the beginning of the new year. So I love that as well. And good luck just in general seems to be a common theme for the Lunar New Year. Um, there's a tradition also where um, money is given in red envelopes, and this is called lucky money. So that's a uh, exchange that often happens and another one that I found was really, really interesting was about cleaning and opening the doors. And I know that this is something that a lot of people do New Year here in the Western world is open their door, um, you know, on New Year's Eve to let the let the uh, energy of the year leave and then to welcome the new energy of the brand new year back in. So there's this commonality with this open door kind of policy, but something I found really, really interesting. Um, it says, according to one tradition, no one should pick up a broom in case you sweep the good luck for the new year out the door. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I might be able to do that, not pick up a broom because we don't want to sweep the good luck out the door. So this year, as we know, is the year of the dragon, and specifically the wood dragon. There are different elements. Um, but let's firstly talk about the animals. So there are 12 animals in the Chinese zodiac, and they follow a 12-year cycle. So there's 12 animals and 12-year cycle, and they always stay in the same sequence. The dragon itself is one that is really, um, is really celebrated. It's, it's one that I think that we all would recognize the symbol of the dragon when we're thinking about the, the Lunar New Year. The dragon is seen as quite a good omen, you know, a good luck, fortune, abundance. Um, so there's, there's really a lot of hype and excitement this year being the return of the dragon. So the year of the dragon, people that are born in the year of the dragon are believed to be ambitious and energetic and charismatic and often inspiring others with their passion and enthusiasm. And they are considered to be natural leaders, unafraid to take risks, confident, and they have magnetic personalities. So that's what we could expect from people that are born in the year of the dragon. Any new babies being born in 2024 will be born in the year of the dragon. That's all. also kind of the quality of the energy that comes forward for all of us in the Year of the Dragon, which sounds pretty good to me. I don't know about you. So, um, so it says, as an ancient tradition, the Chinese zodiac attaches animal signs to each Lunar New Year in a cycle of 12 years. The animal designation changes at the start of the New Year. And so, okay, so I'm going to leave that. That was from the almanac.com. I thought that was a pretty reputable source. Next, I found an article talking about the year of the dragon, but specifically the year of the wood dragon. And what does that mean? Because these elements that come in like fire dragon, earth dragon, wood dragon, air dragon, etc., all have specific meanings. 
wood dragon. So let's see what it says. It says, it is the year of the dragon and people can expect a lot of good fortune, but only if they are harnessing the animal's most important quality. And guess what that is? Compassion. Now, this is a side note, but I wanted to just quickly share because I'm seeing a, um, you know, a, a, um, I can't remember the word today. I don't know why it keeps leaving me. It's, I guess, commonality is the best word that's available to me in this moment, but I'm seeing a commonality with that message about compassion. So there is, we can expect a lot of good passion, a good passion, maybe, maybe side note, maybe we'll have some good passion this year too. Um, we can expect a lot of good fortune this year. So everybody's talking about abundance. It's go time. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to be successful in the things that we do. But as it says here, it's only if you are harnessing the animal's most important quality, which is compassion. And why that is noteworthy to me is that something that's been coming up a lot lately for me in client sessions is that I've been connecting, you know how I talk about there's sometimes themes of clients, right? Like there was a theme of religion for a while where there was a lot of religious people um, either working in the church or very connected to the church coming to see me for readings. And I was like, hmm, interesting, loving this. This is a good sign, but like, why? What is this trying to tell me? So I always look for the themes in my work. And there's been a definite theme as of lately where I'm connecting to people that have this similar wounding from past lives. Um, sometimes in this lifetime, it's still very, very relevant. And the wound has occurred in this lifetime, but more often than not, it's coming from previous lifetimes. And it's being connected to Atlantean webs websites. No, Atlantean. <laughs> I am tongue-tied. They are connected to Atlantean lifetimes. And so the interesting thing about that is what we know about Atlanta, Atlantis is that this was a very spiritually evolved, technological, evolved society. The collective was much more advanced um, at a vibration and frequency level than we are and much more advanced in their own technology. And there was equal, um, you know, um, there was equal reverence and respect for the spiritual wisdom and knowledge that they had access to, but also the technological and the scientific knowledge. And so what happened was that this became unbalanced. We, I say we, because I definitely feel like I've had an Atlantean lifetime. Um, that power was misused and abused. And so it no longer was balanced. It was not so much in the highest and best good of humanity at that time. And so what we know is that given that this balance this imbalance, you know, happened for, for over and over and over and over again, who knows what length of time that would have been. And that then Atlantis ceased to exist. And that was the end of that. Right. And now as we are growing and evolving at quite an accelerated rate, we are not yet where we were as Atlanteans in terms of our access to spiritual wisdom and knowledge and our access to technological and scientific advances, but we are getting there rapidly. Okay. And so what's been coming in for clients is that there's this wounding around their own power because there is the sole remembrance of that power being used, misused and abused 
okay, by the collective or themselves personally. And so they, you know, there'd be a remembrance, oh my goodness, when I fully step into that power and I am that, you know, uh, spiritual wisdom keeper and I share and I really step into the powerhouse that I am and the leader that I am, that could quickly become unbalanced. And then we all know what happened to Atlantis. So there's this wounding around fully stepping into our power. And this has been a theme as of lately. And I think it's because there's this remembrance of, okay, we can feel time start to to speed up. We can feel things accelerating. We're seeing how the world is changing. We are seeing how people are um, more open to certain things. Our consciousness ex is expanding before our very eyes. Okay, and so one thing that came through in a reading I just did yesterday around this, it was a higher self reading, and this person was encouraged to step fully into their power, knowing that in this lifetime, they came here with the ability to balance those two elements, those two sides of themselves. And in fact, to go further, I was given information by spirit that the lightworkers that are here now, most of you, if not all of you listening, are lightworkers here to raise the vibration and frequency of the earth at this time are here to find this balance. Um, we can't be all in ego. We also have to be, you know, we have to balance that with our spirit. We can't be all in our materialism. We have to also, you know, be connected um, to our spiritual sides and to the earth. The earth is a mirror for us. The earth has a higher vibration and frequency than we do naturally but the earth is a mirror for us. So when the earth is having trouble, as we're seeing, she is, you know, with vast flooding and wildfires and tsunamis and earthquakes and all of those things. Yes, those things are naturally occurring in our world's, our earth's history. However, I believe that there's a correlation between, you know, how we are doing spiritually consciously and how the earth is doing. And so I feel like the earth mirrors back to us that we need to find balance because the earth naturally is in balance. You know, it's very yin and yang. It's like, um, you know, it needs what this, we need rain. Okay. We have rain. We need sun. We have sun. And it's just like a natural balancing equilibrium. If we, as humans also find balance. And right now, because we are not in balance, the earth is mirroring back to us with extremes in weather and things like that, extremes in temperatures. Uh, it's mirroring back to us our unbalance. And so that to me is significant when we're comparing it and connecting to this year of the wood dragon. And so a lot of good fortune. So everybody's like me, 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 me. What do I want? I can succeed. I can have what I want. I can be rich. I can make lots of money. Yes, that feels available to us. Because remember, as we are evolving our consciousness and growing, we're going to naturally attract more of that stuff to us anyways. 
but it has to be balanced. It has to be balanced with compassion. So I really love that that comes in in this, this article. Yeah, you can have the abundance. You can have that good fortune and those opportunities aplenty. But if you're not doing it with compassion, if you're not, if your intentions are not for the highest and best good, maybe not. Let's take a lesson from our lifetimes on Atlantis, okay? We don't need to hide, we don't need to shield our power, but we do need to find balance with both of those things. Okay, so moving forward in the article, some other qualities associated with the dragon are nobility, wealth, and wisdom. So the wood dragon is um, this year, as I said, and the element of wood is seen in Daoist tradition as the return to the natural state of being, which in the dragon's case points to a return to kindness. Um, and I can't pronounce this word, Confucian, and Confucian thought interprets wood as a symbol of unlimited potential. So um, Jonathan H. X. Lee, a professor of a professor of Chinese folklore and religion at San Francisco State University says, I am seeing this wood dragon year as a year of unlimited potential in terms of prosperity. Long term, it could also be the year in which major conflict can be resolved if people focus on empathy. If we continue our tribal thinking and selfish thinking, we are not going to achieve it. Um, so it's important this year to approach conscientious decisions and discussions in good faith. And so it's connected to teachings of Taoism as well as Buddhist Buddhism. Um, so that's interesting. It's kind of saying, watch the ego this year, watch the ego with this, you know, beautiful, magical, um, abundant, we can be, um, all the things we can have, all these, the things, good fortune that the dragon brings in. Just like with Atlantis, when we talked about the power being unbalanced, this energy could bring in a lot of ego or like a lot of uh, materialism or me, 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 me. And that is going to take us nowhere fast is what I'm hearing from spirit. We absolutely need to balance this with compassion and kindness. We need to be suspending the ego and we need to be reflective and introspective um, when it comes to conflict. So interesting. I'm connecting this a little bit to some messages that have been coming in for the last couple of months of the energetic forecast that I put out, the monthly ones. There's been a lot of focus so far in 2024 on relationships, relationships with others, relationships with ourselves. And so especially in the month, this month that we're in, the energetic forecast for February came up that, you know, there could be some dissatisfaction, there could be some tension, there could be some conflict in our relationships with others and also in a relationship with ourself. And so it's interesting that this is coming up. If there's any kind of conflict in the year of the wood dragon, one is encouraged to suspend that ego and to be reflective and introspective. And I do feel like that really aligns with some of the messaging that I brought through in February's energetic forecast. So I love that so very much. So there's that. Um, so being good and kind and compassionate and loving will bring you abundance. Some years in the past that we've had the wood dragon, 1976, 1988, 2000, 2012, 2024. Um, so those born in the year of the dragon, 
generous, great leaders, a lot of charisma. In fact, many parents plan births around dragon ears. Look at that. The wood element, much like its practical use, is, extra, is an extra reminder to set a good foundation that will last and will lead to long-term success rather than short-term goals. Definitely feeling like this is a repeat of things that I have recently contemplated or spoke about on this podcast. So I love how it all comes together. So strong foundations should be established with empathy at its core. I'm so inspired right now to write a blog post about this. So I'm definitely going to and see what comes in. So to end with, I wanted to share a little bit about this term, Deoism, Deoist, because it said that above, um, talked about that in this, um, in this article that I read. Let's see if I can find it again. The Daoist, so the element of wood is seen in Daoist tradition as return to the natural state of being. In the dragon's case, it returns to kindness. Okay, so I uh, found a website called, there's two websites here. One is Asia Society. You can find it in the show notes. Daoists were supporters both of magic and proto-science. Does that not remind you of a little bit of the Atlantean connection that I just referred to. So they were the element of Chinese culture most interested in the study of and experiments with nature. Some Daoists believe that spirits pervaded nature, both the natural world and the internal world within the human body. Another uh, result here, the Dao, which means the way. I love this, the way. I love it because recently I've been contemplating some words and just how how um, we see, you know, uh, a pattern in um, belief systems. And we dig back in history a little bit. I've been reading a lot about, um, you know, paganism and druids and all of that kind of stuff. And they call that, um, you know, that belief system, the path. And here we are, the way. So it's the natural order of the universe. Daoists strive to be in harmony with this natural order rather than following particular rules. Daoists cultivate a sense of naturalist, uh, naturalness rather. By being in tune with this, they believe they can avoid violence, suffering, and struggle. So I think this comes back to this balance, you know, naturalist, a sense of naturalness. If we're thinking of the earth, walking the path, walking the way is to be in balance. The earth wants us to give as much as we take. That is the natural, one of the natural laws of the universe of earth is to give. It's very giving. Mother earth is generous and abundant, bounty, right? Fertile. Um, but we are in the habit and have been for quite a long time in our human existence, taking and taking and taking and taking and taking and not giving enough back. And I'm not just talking about environmental, although certainly that is a major way in which we're taking too much without giving back. Um, this also has to do with how we treat animals, how we treat ourselves, how we treat others. If we are always in a me, 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 me mindset, then we are not, um, we're not, we, we might be taking, right? We may be taking more than we're giving back. And so reminder for that as well. To end today, I'm glad there's been some fluidity in this uh, uh, episode rather than me just read off of a prompter uh, and read the articles verbatim. I much like, I much prefer a conversational style and I allow spirit to, um, you know, bring in things as we go. 
I had an experience recently, very recently, in which, um, you know, the concept of judgment came up. So I'm just going to be honest here. Um, I, on my private Facebook group, which a lot of you listeners are in, I posted a article that I had saw on Facebook about um, Taylor Swift. Okay. And just like why all the controversy, all the social media crap that we hear about Taylor Swift. And I had not only shared the article, but I had written up a big, um, a big kind of uh, write up about her human design profile as a five one and how I related as a five one and just kind of like what it says about society, um, that people are so interested in not only Taylor Swift, but just in celebrity in general. And I talked a little bit about projection and judginess. And, you know, when we are projecting on another, we are, we're projecting what we feel truly about ourselves, right? If we're very honest about it. Um, and so I posted this and someone posted, and I don't know this person very well, but they are in the group. I feel like they were invited by someone and they're more than welcome, more than welcome to stay for a long time. But they posted kind of a, a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. Um, wasn't overly uh, kind, felt a bit judgmental, just like, why does anybody give a crap about this? Why are you posting about this? Like, how is this helping anybody, um, with their spiritual enlightenment? And so I noticed in myself, as I'm learning to do as an observer of my own emotions, I noticed an initial little bit of a triggering, right? Like, I think that's normal. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. I feel like I'm being judged. And this podcast, as well as that group, is my safe space. I don't want to have to be in my head about what I'm posting there. If somebody's going to judge me about what I'm posting or what I'm talking about, I don't want that because then that takes me out of the flow of naturalness, as the Taoist says, it, it gets me into my head, it gets me overthinking. And so I think that's where the trigger was like, Oh, no, this is not my safe space anymore, because now I have to worry about what I'm posting. And so I take a moment, I just kind of sat with these feelings. And I responded, you know, in a kind, but firm way. And I essentially said, you know, um, I feel like you probably didn't read my write up. Um, because if you did, uh, you know, you feel like you've missed the point, right? Because essentially the whole point was, why are we judging other people? Why do we care? So exactly what that person was saying, like, why do we care about this? That's what my contemplation was about. Why do we dislike someone in social media? Why do we place certain people on pedestals? Why do we hate other people? I don't hate anybody, but I mean, that word is spewed a lot, especially with Taylor Swift. And I'm just like, why? She's just a human. Just let her be. I know that anyone who we are judging so, so um, critically, that's a mirror to show where we're judging ourselves or where we are playing small or where, where we feel like we can't expand. Yeah. So I had this experience and it was like very obvious to me um, that I've grown a bit because I recognize the trigger, I observed the trigger, and I responded in a way that was not mean, it was not unkind, it was not, um, it, it, it was just like, I just spoke my truth. And I was like, well, I've grown. <laughs> and I realized, you know, we were able to say some kind words to each other, like, take good care, and I hope you're well. And I realized, hmm, you know, it really reminded me of why I do this work in the first place. 
I, yeah, I do this work to help others remember who they are, which in turn helps them become more enlightened. However, what I've noticed in spiritual circles and spiritual literature up until this point in history is that it can be quite elitist and othering, and it can be um, very esoteric and not relatable to the average person, right? It's, 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 a, it's elitist in a way. The language is written that way sometimes. Sometimes our spiritual leaders that we see um, feel a bit elitist and the concepts that they're talking about feel a little bit other, like we're like, I can't relate to that. So for me, I like to bring in topics like, hey, here's a topic that is very much in our collective awareness right now. Everybody knows who Taylor Swift is. Everybody knows who she's dating. Everybody now we know has an opinion about it. It is all over the social media. So I'm taking a topic that we know about very well and I'm flipping it in a way to give us a contemplation so that we can think about it a little bit deeper, which then allows us to have more awareness of what we're doing, which leads to spiritual enlightenment. So I very much feel like we need to be grounded in our spirituality. We can't always be up here. If spiritual knowledge and topics and discussion is given in a very elitist up here kind of way that's not relatable, how is that helping us right now spiritually evolve? I don't think it is. I think it's the thing that keeps us feeling separate then um, because all of us are human. So all of us have human feelings, including judgment. We all are guilty of judging ourselves and judging another person. That to judge is to be human, right? And so if we are told, well, that's completely wrong and we need to transcend above it, always, well, then maybe that's flipped around and we internalize a feeling of shame, which you guessed it, keeps us in a lower vibrational state, keeps us from expanding our consciousness and our awareness, keeps us from enlightenment. So yeah, so that's, that's my spiel about that. And that was just a moment I felt like it was coming in and it, I think it actually relates to the things we've been talking about today with the wood dragon. Um, you know, when we can see something as neutral or we can take ourselves out of it and observe for a moment. Oh, I just caught myself judging. Oh, I just caught myself triggering, being triggered rather. In that moment, if we can observe that without, you know, feeling like shit about ourselves for doing so and instead going, oh my goodness, I just, yeah, I totally was judging. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. You know, that that is the way, you know, that's how we move forward away from the, the matrix, the, you know, how we're thinking in the matrix. Why it's, it's, it was a question like, why are we, why do we care so much? And what is that saying about us one way or another? So there you go. Uh, definitely a little bit more today than just the Lunar New Year, although I do hope you experienced, um, not experienced, you enjoyed the experience of some more details about the Lunar New Year, um, some things that we can do. Maybe we can try some of those recipes that are in the show notes uh, in the article. Um, I think it was the almanac one. So check that one out for those recipes if you want to try the longevity noodles or the Chinese dumplings. Um, 
And let's just celebrate the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year rather, um, with light and thinking about luck. And what does luck mean? For me, luck means preparedness. Luck means alignment. So let's align this year with kindness and compassion. That's how we win this year. That's how we welcome more of the good stuff. Have a good one. I will see you next week. Take good care, everyone. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider hopping on over to wherever you listen to your podcast and giving it a five-star review. Thank you so much in advance. If you'd like to keep in touch, please head over to my website, theintuitiverising.com to keep up with all the things that I have been doing. I also have a private Facebook community for people just like you. It's called the Intuitive Rising Community. All you got to do is request to join and I will let you in. Keep rising.